You're listening to Late Night Pacific Northwest, and I'm here again with Robert Myers, and this is Coyote Gunyan. Tonight we're talking about zombies. I've always uh, had a, a tremendous fear of zombies since I saw uh, Dawn of the Dead way back in, jeez, uh, I think it was 82, I saw it on video. I was just a little kid, but I, I it was one of those things where, you know, you, you shouldn't be watching it, it would make you scared. I had, I had to watch it. It was probably the best, it was probably the foremost masterpiece of George Romero. I love his other movies. But I think that one was the original Donna. That's kind of even. I think his original works are better than newer ones too. And a lot of people be like, "Oh no, we don't like it." But it's just like if you live back then, you saw that they had to be doing some hardcore work to making it look the way they did. You know, I mean, when I was I think five or six, I saw Return of the Living Dead at my cousin's house, and it scarred me for life. Especially the part with that, uh, the Nazi zombies, or what were they, the punk zombies in the... the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing, yeah. But okay. then I seen all the other ones after that. There's Return of the Living Dead Part 2, Return of the Living Dead Part 3. Have, uh, you, have you seen those ones? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. Uh, except for Rave. Uh, after, after a while, they kind of got uh, silly with the concepts, I thought. Yeah, it's just, it was the same concept every single movie, all of a sudden... The compound trioxin gets spilled somewhere and then everybody becomes zombies and it's the military's fault over and over and over again. I think part three is like the most creepiest probably out of all of them. I don't, I don't think the other three are that bad. That one's pretty weird and creepy. The ones I, I, the reason why I always uh, go back to George Romero's and probably The Walking Dead is it's probably the most realistic take in probably on any survival situation you'd run into. You know, in an urban setting, you you know, forget the whole outdoor woodsman backstory. Back you know, people people today would not be able to survive in the backwoods like they would like 100 years, 50 years ago. 100 years ago, everybody would be just fine. There'd be issues. Like when you watch Survivor Man, they throw professional survival guide and then they throw a, a ranger, army ranger who's trained to do this and they still have trouble doing it. Yeah. And these guys are trained professionals. They have trouble doing it. But the whole group dichotomy of being able to go out into the wilderness together, that would probably be a, a working scenario, but it would be a lot harder to do it because you would end up having to uh, spread resources around. So, well, since we're in the Pacific Northwest, and, and then we got to think of we live here in terms of where would we go, I do not think I would head to the Cascade Mountains because it gets too cold too quick. I'd probably head more into the desert. I don't know. Well... You, I, I think you'd probably end up uh, falling along the lines. I've always thought about this scenario as is you would end up having to do it just like the way our ancestors did, live in the highlands in the summer, live in the lowlands in the winter. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that would be the best case scenario because uh, there's one place I always thought of that would be a good fallback would be uh, Camp Chaparral. Uh, you know, if, for those of you who don't know, it's a private uh, little camp for uh, young Indian, uh, Yakima youth who are able, they're able to go and spend a few weeks in the, in the wilderness. Um, not that it's got a lot going for it. You know, it's got a big propane tank. It's got fresh water nearby. It's hard to get to. And there's probably a lot of untouched game up there as well because it probably does not get as much hunting as all the open areas do because it's closed. Yeah, and people don't realize that there's tons of game out there. All kinds of uh, places that haven't seen any footsteps from anybody, um, which much like uh, Western Montana, uh, there's places up there that except for yeah. Bigfoot, he's out there. Yeah, he's out there. Yeah, as long as you uh, as long as you uh, throw a couple apples his way every now and again, he will leave you alone. So at least that's a, at least I, well, that's what I like to believe. Yeah, yeah. You know, apparently he has a thing for for uh, fresh fruit uh, and uh, whatever. You know, according to the shows, who knows. But zombies, I always thought, was probably the closest you could get to a a real monster. Because, you know, a real monster that could exist in real life. Yeah. You know, because it does it because, 
basic, they're basically us. Yeah, they are us. Yeah. You know, um, and could it happen? Hey, you never I know. know. Well, like in the well, they in the original George Romero. When I first watched it when I was a kid, I was I was in love with it. It was amazing, black and white, really slow. It wasn't as quick as like say twenty eight days or twenty eight weeks later. They're not crazy, but they still get you no matter what, no matter how slow they move, which is makes it even scarier. And then you watch it, and then once you get to the end, all those guys, they have the zombies hanging from the trees, and they're shooting them. And then you realize, now, is George Romero, like, really talking about zombies, or is he making a social statement about social injustice that was happening at that time in the 60s? -hmm. And he just used entertainment as a way to kind of funnel that in. Well, one of his interviews uh, I watched recently, he said that... um it didn't start out that way, but as it, as the movie was going on, and he kind of, the script kind of veered that way. Because, you know, you got to remember his uh, main uh, protagonist was a black man. And I wasn't, back in that day, that wasn't seen as a, a leading actor, a leading uh, uh, man in a movie was was not a black man. No. And I thought, that, uh, to me, that was one of the things that stood out when I saw it originally. Was you know you, you know especially for a black and white film at that time, and he still s- survives to the end. And then I think they end up don't they accidentally actually shoot him at the end, even though yeah. he's alive, which is the weirder twist. And then when they do the remake of it, they take that away, and he comes out as a zombie, and they kill him as a, as a zombie. But in the original one, they just they they shoot him because they're just shooting and they don't care, and he's black, it which is, is a yeah. huge social statement. Could he, if that movie was made today in the exact same context, you would it almost be fitting to to our time. Actually, I'm very disgusted by uh, today's uh, you know response and their attitude toward you know uh, people of color. The police state, yeah, and it's getting to the point where it's even it's even affecting people here. Yeah, uh, I've never seen that. Except when I, when I lived in Montana, you, you felt it. And you, you go to places like Minnesota, you felt it. You go to places like anywhere in the Midwest, you felt it. But here, it wasn't. Well, that's, yeah. that's why I, I always feel weird about growing a beard sometimes because I'm brown. I'm like, well, if it's okay for a white guy to grow a beard, how come they're not looking at him funny, but they're looking at me funny? I mean, I'm American just as much as they are. My last name's actually Scottish, for crying out loud. But um, yeah, mine's German. Yeah, yours is German. Mine's Scottish. And then, I mean, we have roots everywhere in the world. And, uh, I mean, speaking of just the whole social statement and the archetypal nature of what's going on, you start to see there's just something really ugly and malignant underlying everything. And so, to me, I wouldn't surprise, be surprised if a zombie apocalypse happened. You know, if, if it could happen because, I mean, we've seen crazier stuff. I think... We're, I think, you know, nature is about two steps away from correcting itself. I mean, there's got to be some breaking point where everything's going to collapse in on itself. We, we're just too, we're expanding too fast. There's got to be a calling of the world. Not that I would want that or hope for it. I, but logic would dictate that we're coming to the point where we're going to end up um, having to have some kind of something break. Yeah. A war, disease, something's got, you know, a mass famine. Zombie outbreak. Na- a, a, a natural disaster on a global scale, you know, um, and this is something that you would want to take serious just as anything else. I mean, the CDC takes it so serious, they actually have a plan on the books. For a zombie outbreak. Yeah, so does the Army um, to some degree. I, I'm not sure if that was just something that was made up, but I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere, um, that the Army actually has something on the books, you know, and... Uh, you know, it'd be falling in line just as any other, uh, um, you know, bacterial viral outbreak. Yeah. You know, and kind of like rabies or something that makes people crazy. It's possible a disease that makes people crazy and attack one another just maliciously. And they would have no control over it. I mean, that's like any disease. You don't have a control over a flu when it makes you sneeze over and over and over and over again. You're really pissed off and you're sick and all of a sudden you have no control over it. That same disease could could be like bovine spongiform where it's just like squeezing the heck out of your brain and it drives you so nuts to do something, you know, horrendous. Or like uh, that movie Record, 
where it was a uh, human strain of rabies uh, and people were attacking each other, you know, um, and they, the government already had plans and they knew something like that could happen and they blocked out this whole building to contain it, quarantine it. And uh, that, was, that was a really eye-opening thing there because how, you know, how fast would the government and what would they all do? Because that's basically uh, martial law. And what was the, the, the kind of response they'd give? Mm-hmm. I mean... Would they contain it to try to wipe out a certain segment of the population? Or what kind of... I mean, would their military response be really heavy? Would they just bomb the shit out of everybody? Or I think that would probably be, that'd probably be along the lines. I mean, they'd probably want to save certain um, um, places, like, uh, for instance, uh, the... What do they call that? The the national uh, fuel dump down there in the south. I think it's in Alabama. Yeah, yeah, um, places like that. Uh, military bases would definitely be something that they would try to uh, save. Uh, the CDC, you know, uh, that'd be one place that that, that would probably have mass protection. Uh, places of uh, that are strategic, like NORAD. Um, you know, they, you know, to mention Canada has their own their communication center. Anything that would be uh, vital to carrying on any kind of similar they'd, they'd save the one percent too. I mean, for anybody listening, <laughs> yeah. we're all screwed. By the way, and yeah, the one percent in the government have themselves, you know, ready to go. They're set. Yeah, good planning and genetic pulling. Yeah. yeah, all right, okay, yeah. Well, it's. I mean, if you think about it too, it's kind of. I mean, if nature decides to go that way, it's kind of kind of our, our own fault because we're constantly pushing for more births. I mean, our society because our social religious structure, just how they're. It's built is you need to procreate and you need to constantly procreate and procreate and procreate. And so what happens when any animal procreates too much and say they fill up a whole room, you know, the floor starts filling up, they start piling on each other and all of a sudden they're spilling out the walls and bad stuff just happens. And it's just part of the, our system we live in that's going to end up pushing us down this path towards zombie apocalypse. That's and especially because people are getting crazier and crazier too. You know, if you think mass about inform- it. Yeah. Mass information. Uh, people are, I mean, that was pretty much their prelude of warm bodies is that it was uh, brought on by technological um, infection. Maybe maybe yeah. 5G will cause it. You know, once they put 5G out there, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden people start be- becoming zombies and they start eating each other, yeah. you know. Like, I, I always thought that was, you know, well, hopefully, I, if they par- do, they put sauce or something on it. You know, like <laughs> I'm not paranoid, but I've always thought that the way people are getting more desensitized to violence and we're exposed to it on a daily basis. You yeah. know, being a kid of the '80s, I've seen that transition of how it just has immensely grown. We've we had violence yeah. in movies, not as much as we did in games, though. It's, it was way different. We had Mario and like stuff where. You had a life, and you weren't killing everybody left and right. And now kids are playing these games where they're, where they're, where they're, they're basically killing, practicing killing Train. thousands, yeah, thousands of people on the internet, and they're doing it live, and they don't have a thought to it. And the thing is, is a lot of adults do realize this, and they see this, and we try to tell it to our kids, and they're like, "No, you're wrong. This is right." And it's just like, what happens when all of a sudden somebody from the government decides to turn a switch? All of a sudden, and they have like a whole army of already trained killers. They didn't even have to pay for it. The video game companies did. The, the, the one thing I always thought maybe the holdback of that is, is that if uh, it actually started in the United States and the government did cause it, they'd pretty much be opening up the borders for everybody to come in and, and just take whatever they want because they'd be trying to control the population and trying to fend off a foreign invasion. I think that's one reason why it stays their hand, why they haven't actually pulled that trigger yet. Because we're, we're barely holding territory overseas, you know. And you got all the armed nut, domestic nuts here in the United States. Well, we already States. have yeah. a, yeah. And they're armed to the teeth. They're yeah. nationalists. And all of them are white nationalists. <laughs> None of them are brown, which is crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. Don't forget your state militiamen. And don't forget your uh, survivalists out there. Yeah. Who are already out there. You also got people who are, who are also... Uh, t- gravitating toward the fringes of society already, and they're going to be much better off than the normal everyday Joe who's paying taxes and working. 
you know, those people are the people who are uh, on the front lines of everything. They're going to be the first to go. Yeah. And people who uh, got nothing to lose, who've already been in the trenches trying to just to make a day to day eking, they're going to be much better off. That was I, that's one th- uh, thing that was pointed out to me. I really liked uh, in that movie Day After Tomorrow, where that uh, where that guy who was just trying to stand in the library, you know, doorway, just trying to keep dry. You know, he was a homeless guy, and he was just you know, he was much more better off, you know, uh, thinking on how uh, how to survive just on a day to day basis, stuffing newspaper in his coat because he was already trained to. Yeah. So those people have got that much of an edge. They know where to look for food. They know where to go, uh, uh, you know, where the warmest places are, you know, what you're going to immediately need. Those pla- those people are already prepped. And to a degree, Native Americans are already living that. Yeah. We're already living in towns way off out in the middle of nowhere, cut off from everything. We're surviving on what we can. And they don't have 3G even or 2G or GG. They don't have no Gs. They yeah. have a candle and... Maybe some oil and firelight. Yeah, and I always thought one of the benefits of an apocalypse, uh, something like that, that would uh, positive for for most reservations. Don't please. I'm just. This is just me. Uh, just speculating. I'm gonna but put one this of, on then. If you're, <laughs> if you're gonna say please, so one of the positive things would be that there would be no more alcohol, you know, uh, coming to the reservation anymore, and you'd have a bunch of dry... If it was, they'd have to use it for fuel, probably, I bet, for some sort. Yeah, or, or somebody would be using it for antiseptic, you know. Yeah. Reason, yeah. And uh, I always thought that uh, that's one of the benefits, and it would return us to what I'd consider our natural state. And then what my tribe could start killing your tribe again, you know, get back to that business. Yeah. Well, I think we'd probably come together and i think more uh, i think some other races would probably see us uh in a better more positive light you know uh, it's not so much as the the the, the savage who will kill you well at, i would have to say hat, that you know? um from napoleon shagnon's work anthropology that when he was living with the yanomamo people call them savages like us the thing he found was yeah they're warlike but they didn't have a high, as high of a mortality rate as we do today in any given city. They don't. And they don't, yeah, they might go out and have a war, but their version of war is we're going to beat each other up and then we're all going home, you know? And then nobody's killing each other. And that would go the same for natives like us. We're, when we go to war, I'm sure we, you know, there'd be some blood spilt, but not as high as a mortality rate that there is today. It would also... You know, back then, they were fighting over resources. Yeah. You know, this is my hunting ground. I need you to stay out of it. And if you come on, if you come over here, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go to the next step. You know, not, you know, spoken in that, uh, you know, in uh, English and in but, today's world. But a lot of tribes got yeah. together, too, though, and cooperated mm-hmm. versus what people think, you know. The one thing I always thought uh, that's similar about a zombie apocalypse that you could take from history where is uh, where it would be one uh, division of the species would probably be the overtaking of Homo sapiens versus Neanderthals. You know, um, we were we started out smaller. We we broke off from them. And we diverged, and eventually, we we uh, are we multiplied and we were the zombies. Basically, yes. What if we ate them? That's why there's no evidence left of them. And we killed them off. We killed them off and used them as food. And maybe that's the reason why uh, they're, they're, uh, that's one of the reasons why they're not around anymore. I mean, they've only been gone for what a hundred thousand years. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, you know, maybe that's what would if it could happen. You know, uh, some kind of viral outbreak that makes people uh, a different uh, subset of a new whole new species. My, my only humans. my only thing with the, the whole zombie thing, though, is with the disease. I know in some versions of it, the, the zombies eventually starve to death and die. I think mm-hmm. that's in 28 days later, right? But in um, in other ones, like even Walking Dead, they don't starve to death. They just still stay there and go, and, the, and they're torn apart. And then you realize, well, how are they able to even still move functioning without a whole, you know, without a whole functioning nervous system and or vital organs or anything at all? Which is and not mean, the burning of energy and would, would the yeah. zombie Time. virus work at such a, a cellular level that it's the cells themselves keeping the whole body alive versus you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. The, yeah. Time would eventually wipe them out. Yeah. Eventually, you know, and the weather and uh, natural, uh, you know, even uh, natural obstacles that would keep them from uh, separated from uh, a, the rest of uh, whatever whatever is left, whoever's left. Um, I a think space needle be left. I think, uh, yeah. Oh, they won't, what a great place to that would be a great place to hide out. Yeah, because they wouldn't know how to use the elevator. Yeah, but you also got to think once you get up there, you, there's going to be no electricity. How are you going to get down? I don't know. You know. I mean, there ain't. I don't think there's a ladder, and I've looked for one. I think you know. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd end up having to stay up there for for the whole duration. And God, you probably starved to death too. I mean, yeah. But hey, what a great sniper's nest! <laughs> you know, you could pick off zombies. You know, if you're that good at a shot, that's way up there. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I always thought uh, the one thing about zombies enduring is is uh, one point that somebody made uh, to to me was is that look at all the the shots that we are given today, you know, look at all the, uh, the, the immunizations wouldn't, I think that would play a factor in how long they would survive, you know, and, and you know, uh, cause you know, but they also said, you know, Hey, that's living cells, you know, you know, bacteria and viruses wouldn't affect us in the same way. They have, yeah. to, they need body heat to thrive. Well, it also keep other stuff out of them, you know, maybe the natural, uh, uh, breakdown of uh, the back the, the bacteria that was set in and keep you from your body from um, breaking down you know it would just pres uh, like a, pr a preserver you know um, the zombie yeah. virus would have to be like a master bacteria almost like over all other bacteria yeah I always thought it was a little ridiculous like how in Resident Evil like they had uh, zombies coming out of the ground that were had already been dead for years. Well, how did they get infected in the first place? You know. Well, they do that. They do yeah. that. In what is it? Some is it Army of Darkness when the skeletons come out? But those aren't oh, real zombies. Yeah. Those are magical zombies. That's different, though. The right? undead. Those are undead. Okay, undead are different than zombies. Zombies are from the infection. Undead are caused by magical means. Yeah, they talk about the, in. Um, but in the in, Bible, it's the undead that come back to life. It's not zombies. And if you really think about it, uh, first zombie ever recorded in a historical record would have been Lazarus. Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, he's a zombie. He's he, he's on. He's brought back from the dead into the land of the living through uh, supernatural and spiritual means. Zombie Jesus brought yeah. him back to life. First, and that's a comic, by the way. I'm not trying to insult people. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We all love Jesus. Uh, even even uh, me as a... Even you wearing your Hustler t-shirt, you love Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, believe, I, I believe that... Uh, I believe Jesus had, and God have a sense of humor. I'm pretty yeah, sure. They, yeah. Not that they put us here. I mean, they yeah. gave us Pathfinder... Which we're going to play once we're done with the radio show. Maybe we could play it live. We can create characters live. Yeah. I always thought about, uh, you know, why limit you know, to a, a zombie apocalypse to just the, the viral outbreak? You know, for all we know, there could have been... I, there was one book where I loved where there was a, uh, a, ma a mass, a magical uh, uh, outbreak where this voodoo priest had raised the entire dead. And, and he had... Uh, so they'd be undead, though. He, he, he blocked the gate. He helped block the gates of hell. He, he, he made a deal with the demon in order to help uh, call the world. I, I thought uh, that was a really good story. I can't remember where, who wrote it or where I read it. But it was just like one of those uh, internet um, fiction stories that I, 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 I read. Sounds that. like Warcraft Part 3, I believe it was. Yeah. You know, I, when but, they bring the undead back to life. I always thought that was the most interesting. One of the most interesting places I thought would be safe from any kind of outbreak. And I would love, to, and this is the only part about an apocalypse that I would probably try to do, is is um, if there was an outbreak and there is nobody to stop you, what's stop you, what stopping somebody from marching into Area 51 after that? Probably, probably a bunch of troops. I don't know, maybe it'd be empty, maybe... Everybody would just be like, we're jumping ship, we get out of here. Yeah, uh, it was like that part. In, um, and then we find the spaceships and we escape planet Earth. Or use the weapons on. Or you, yeah, to, yeah, but why fight the zombies? Because they're just going to overrun you anyway. You're gonna, Interesting yeah. book idea. Somebody write that. Please, I'll buy it. I'll buy the first copy. <laughs> He'll buy the first copy. Yeah. I'll write it under a pseudonym. He'll buy the first copy. 
Yeah, I would uh, definitely, uh, I mean, uh, account that to the same scenario as in um, that movie, The Day After, that 1985 movie, or 84, I think, no, 83, excuse me, the one back in, uh, on television back in the day where there, there was a little partner where they had, the Minutemen had launched their missiles and they were like, what are we staying around for? We did our job. We did our duty. I want to go home to, you know, spend the last few days of the, before the end of the world happens and uh, spend it with my family. And they just took off, you know, and the commanding officer saying, no, you got to stay here. You got to fulfill no, Who's there to punish you? you nobody, know? nobody would be there. I think you'd see a mass uh, exit of most, uh, a lot of enlisted people. Because some of them are not there to, because they're true blue, believe in American patriots, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm just hate to say that, but it's true. Because some of them are just there for the GI Bill or some, some I've, I've heard it myself. I know guys who like, I'm going to re-enlist so I can buy a new motorcycle. I'm like, dude, re-enlist because you really want to. Don't re-enlist because you want to buy a new motorcycle. Because these same guys come back and tell me, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Well, you should have just went and got a job and bought a new motorcycle then. I mean, there are guys, though, that do love the military, and that's great. Love we, them. We love need, those guys. We need guys them. that love yeah. the military. Yeah, I've got, I got family in the military. I respect everything they do. But I would say that you'd probably see maybe, what, 40%, if not more. But then, then as a side note, that's any job you do. If you don't like your job, please don't do it because then you end up grouchy. And, and, and especially if you're in service and you're just pissing off your customers, you're pissing off your coworkers, especially if you're a manager, don't do it. Don't do it if you don't love your job. you got to love your job to do it. It's like if there was a, uh, if it was a natural disaster that occurred here, am I really going really to stay at my job site to save the place? No. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting out of there. I'm going home. I, ever, I guarantee everybody would probably leave. That's how most people are. And... Um, it's like the beginning of the book, Stan. You, have you read The Stand, right? It's not mm-hmm. a zombie book, but it's about a viral outbreak of disease. But the, at the very beginning, well, when the disease comes from a military base in California, all, everybody just kind of like, they either die there or they're just gone. They disappear. Like the, the guy that initially gets sick, he just takes off with his kids and his wife. I think a lot of people would be like that. Took off uh, across country for three days. And, you know, and, and affecting everywhere, people everywhere he stopped. Yeah. You know, for gas or for food and ends up dying on the side of the road. Well, he, remember he rams into the gas station and the guys come out. They all get sick and they get everybody yeah. sick in their town. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's probably be something that could happen. I mean, you know, there, there has been stuff that's gotten loose before. And that's probably how a zombie outbreak will happen. Didn't that happen in uh, 28 days later? Patient zero. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I, I'm, I constantly look at World War Z, the movie, and I always forget the book because in the movie they don't really talk about patient zero. In the book they do. There's a patient zero. In uh, the part where they're going to China, where uh, he's, where they say that the, the uh, ground zero had happened, they said that's where uh, patient zero had, had uh, came from, and that's where and it came from a small village. And they allude to what happened in the book, but they don't really show it. You know, for those of you who want to know more of the backstory, read the book. It's really good. Uh, but they should they they just mention it in like two or three sentences, and and they, it kind of grows from there. And it's left for you to wonder. And for those of you who are waiting for the sequel, which is supposed to be coming out pretty soon, um, that they we're going to go more into the backstory of how it happened. And I, be, I believe, and I'd love to uh, see Max Brooks again to ask him if he's re- if he's planning to write the sequel to World War Z, the book. It's supposed to be uh, a continuation and uh, a little bit more of a background of what happened during you know during the outbreak, the initial outbreak. So you know some of those scenarios, well, I think, are right on the money. You know, because you could uh, you could take uh, that from pretty much any civil strife that would uh, break out like the watts riot rodney king riots the battle of yonkers they don't show the battle oh. of yonkers in the movie but that battle of yonkers in the book was amazing it was awesome they need and to film that they need to film that there is so much in the book that's missing from the movie which is amazing i would 
I would really love to see that in the movie. They, I thought that was the worst thing that they cut out. Yeah, that was like one of the main things is the Battle of Yonkers. It's, it was like a turning point showing that humanity was not going to defeat the zombies, no matter what. Yeah, well, it was like they mentioned in the last war. Uh, was uh, how, how would they, they say, we're always ready to fight the, uh, the last war. We're never ready to fight the next one. And look how long it took us to fight, uh, start fighting global terrorism, uh, uh, you know, on, a, on this much of a scale. It took us a while for us to catch up. You know, and uh, where were you? Where were ready to fight? You know, uh, you know, big superpower, which never came to pass. You know, we were the last one standing, and we were fighting a, a, a war. That war against you know people armed with rocks. You know, and uh, stuff from World War Two. You know, and uh, it just for us to uh, to. Uh, Fight some on a national scale, just here in America, like some like a viral outbreak. Even if it wasn't a a uh, zombie virus, you know, you, you would have a hard press time to get everybody ready and prepared. It, it would hit. people wouldn't be prepared. It'd be it it'd be exponential the outbreak. It just it it snowball. It would be hitting people before we knew it. I mean, um, it, 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 the media would keep quiet. They would, you know, and but uh, one. It'd be the internet buzz that would get everybody. It's, ready. it's like in any situation, like people with the fires, the hurricanes. They're all saying they're unprepared for what happened. Kind of like the hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Kind of like the what is it? The uh, that immigrant train that's coming up from Guatemala. And people are talking about that. I mean, I mean, we don't really know the consequences of that. No, the one thing I always they're sending troops to the border for that, and that makes me think of the whole zombie social injustice issue as well but some of the points they could be making are right. oh yeah oh i wish george romero was alive today to make that to make a com uh a, a movie commentary on that that would be great to see um why'd you shoot the black guy at the end of the original walk i was gonna say walking dead <laughs> night of the living yeah. dead so used to walking dead now we forget they came from night of the living dead well that was apparent that was in the script it had more of a connotation um, when he casted that guy in that role, uh, it wasn't because uh, he was trying to make a. Like I said, it didn't start out that way. He he, he said that in his own words. It didn't start out that way, but it, it was sort of leaning that way when he wrote it. Uh, matter of fact, uh, he didn't start out as a horror writer. He started out as trying to make a uh, movie uh, like uh, of a romance set in, in uh, uh, medieval times. That was his first movie idea. He was trying to be another great American writer or storyteller. Director, and all of a sudden, yeah. he just went back to, I'm better at this. I'm going to do this. And he was good at it. And he made a lot of other good movies. Like James Cameron, how he started out uh, as just a special effects guy. And his first director uh, chair was Piranha 2. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he didn't get his really big break until he got the uh, money together to you know, to convince a studio to try to make Terminator. Let him be a director, right? Yeah. What was it with Terminator? He wrote Terminator. They convinced him to, hey, let me direct this movie. It's my movie. I wrote it. Boom. And, and you got a lot of creative control because it was so low budget. They didn't think it was going to succeed. And wow, you know, look what he did. And that was because he all his experience as a special effects guy. He knew how to, he knew how to shoot everything. And look, wow, look at him. He's worth, what, a billion dollars? You know, um, he created a whole new uh, special effects. You know, he's, he helped create special effects for his movies. I think he was the one who pioneered uh, 3D Atmos for his movies. He helped do that. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he created it, but I love his movies. Uh, George Romero. Well, Avatar pushed the limits with oh, special yeah. effects. So, I mean, that was like the, one of the first movies that they've done like that ever. I, I loved the fact that George Romero started out from nothing with just, you know, bare bones, you know, a budget, and he made this masterpiece that endures today. Yeah. And it's part of uh, our National Archives, if I remember right. It's part of the uh, National Film Institute's, uh, one of their, uh, like, movie that they, they intend to save if something were ever to happen. I think that last time I looked at it, it was on archive.org from... Cornell University on their online archive where they put a bunch of older stuff. That's really cool, but 
I, I, I want to go back for a second because oh, yeah. I had a thought yeah. about it. Didn't that movie have a comet in it? Didn't the comet cause the zombies? Night of the Comet. Night of the Comet. Wasn't uh, there a comet in one of them, though? I, I could have swore. Like, maybe in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. No, there, there was a movie called Night of the Comet. Um, it was... Uh, I know there's Night of a Comet. It I was, was 1985. Yeah, I just got done watching a YouTube video about the making of it, and uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Good Bad Flicks. Was that on Good Black Bad? Yeah. Uh, starred... Uh, Starred uh, uh, Chakotay Robert Beltran from um, from Star Trek Voyager. He was in it. This is your hero. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know Chakotay for Trouble Council all the way. Yeah. I, I follow him anywhere. <laughs> uh, but hey, he didn't say that, so nobody get butt hurt. <laughs> uh, Night of the Comet uh, was basically uh, the comet. The comet tale uh, ends up uh, being in. Uh, Earth, uh, Earth, Earth's atmosphere. Everybody's standing out to witness it, and this was something that happened uh, a year before Haley's comet. You know, because it was one. Because back then that was all the rage. It was from like eighty four to eighty six. There was all the rage to, about you know comets. You know, like Life Force, and uh, well, that's in, why they made the movie, probably, huh? In yeah, in the movie, uh, the what the the initial. A wash of the tail, the comet's tail washes out pretty much ninety percent of humanity. The rest of the ten percent is everybody that was inside has some kind of natural immunity to it, and they're not affected in any way. But the people who are exposed to the atmosphere or the red dust, they had an adverse effect where they basically were just like these mindless human zombies. To to you know, that's pretty much the equivalent. You know. And they they were slowly losing their uh, their their humanity and they were getting more aggressive. Like in the movie uh, George George Romero, other movie, his other uh, masterpiece, uh, The Crazies. You know that that was another one he directed, and that that was a, a real big commentary on you know the government. Isn't government. that the one where they surround that town by the wall with a giant wall? Yeah, yeah, that one was kind of weird. That, was, that one was actually freaky. That. Is probably something that you could pro that that'd be your closest bet, you know, in middle America of what would actually happen, and uh, and you would see everybody's. But he was just making the commentary that everybody in red state's crazy anyway. That and the you know how little the government would value um, uh, everyday people if something were to actually break, because you didn't see no separation of pe- the the sick from the unsick, and trying to preserve the people who were. Uh, uh, on not sick, you know, to keep them alive. The, the government would seem more likely to follow their protocols because I mean, humans seem more like protocol people. They're like, well, well, what rule governs this or what rule governs that? Should I break these rules or should I not? I mean, there's a huge. That's where ethics and morality comes in. It's like if you're a soldier at say where that gate is or the entrance is or the exit is in that town and the crazies. Are you going to let people out that are not sick? And how do you know they're not? Are you going to just leave them in there and let them all die? You know, yeah. I mean, that's anything. Was, if there's a house fire, are you going to save people or are you just going to let them all die? That's like a huge moral, ethical question. Yeah. And more often less, people run away, they get scared, and some people are just so stuck on the rules that they have to follow them that they just, you know. You die hard. They're like, yeah. These people have to do this because it's part of our protocol. Well, protocols are just written words on a fucking piece of paper at the end of the day. So, well, I, I like I kin that to uh, uh, the government probably has something like the the Redeker plan, like in World War Z, where you'd preserve uh, c- certain outposts of humanity out in other places to keep um, to, to keep them away from your one percenters, your government officials, to keep your them favorite away. people, yeah. a, a distraction, a uh, a satellite. Um, enemy and that uh, that for your for your enemy to to attack, you know, and that's you know it just goes back to old military thinking. You need outposts so you know the enemy is coming and where they're coming from, and what you know and how capable they are. You know, it's in, it's intelligence gathering. You know, you know for your side, you have to sacrifice a few in order to figure out how to win the war. You know, and that's that pretty much falls back to any rules of war. Isn't that a word for it? Attrition? Is that the word? Well, I think, yeah, because you, because basically, you know, in any zombie outbreak, they're going to have the numbers. 
Yeah. And the zombies are going to have numbers. So you'd have to figure out how to uh, uh, beat that and, be, and try to figure out some mul mul force multiplier in order to keep them from um, getting everybody. You know, and that, that's, a, that's a scary thought, you know, because, you know, you could hide on top of a mountain, you know, you know, all you want, but eventually you're going to have to come down. Yeah, because you might freeze to death, run out of food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got to find out how to win. Mm -hmm. So why start later? You, it's better to start earlier than later. Well, there's places, that's why I, I've thought, I've, ever since I've seen the, the I, re, I actually start reading World War Z, The Walking Dead, I've thought of places here in Washington, the, some of the, where would you go? Where would you go? Where's the best place? If you had the money, where would you go? If you don't have the money, where would you, you go? go? You go straight to Costco and Cabela's. <laughs> Yeah, I hope uh, nobody beats you there. And then there's Krispy Kreme just right there, so you make a quick stop. Yeah. And then a Starbucks. So I would think uh, anything you can, you want to take anything you can bribe uh, the military with. You know, they would, they're, they're going to be hurting. The everyday soldier is going to be living on rations at that point. Yeah. And money is going to be pretty much worthless, you know, so you're going to end up having to have something to trade. Well, skill too, you could trade your skill as well. If you have some kind of skill you can provide. Yeah, um, you, you think you they would have plenty of people that know how to shoot, but or do they have plenty of people that know how to uh, change out a septic tank, um, to uh, clean water for you, uh, to uh, you know uh, keep make the beer clean, cook, cook, make ha beer, yeah, har yeah harvest want beer. Yeah. So yeah, you, that's going to be one of the first things to go yeah. is all the alcohol because you know everybody's going to see that as their chance. Oh yes, you well, know. Well, I, I'm a I'll be like a, a savior since I know how to make beer. Yeah, and the one thing I always feared too during any kind of uh, end of the world scenario is the religious nuts. The the one like in that uh, the mist, the, the you know the die hard, you know you know uh, that one lady in the mist, yeah. and she kept wanting to open the door. This is our punishment, probably to get people like that. Yes, and wouldn't let nobody go. And she had complete power. That's the one thing I do fear any kind of a... And the ir irony yeah. of that is the military actually showed up and was saving people. They just didn't even know it, which yeah. is crazy. And uh, how it how they hung that one um, uh, military guy. And he had nothing to do. He was just a guy who was just stationed there guarding a the post. You know, he didn't know what the hell was going on, you know. Wasn't and he black too? No, no, that was his comrades, that, uh, the MP that came to get him, and they went to the next door to the pharmacy next door to try to round up the other okay. guys. I'm not picking on black people. I'm just saying a lot of times in movies it's used as a social statement against all the social injustices, and I'm like, dude. Yeah, it seems like people of color are always the fodder for the for, for any kind of a, a military. We need, we need yeah. to make a pure yeah. brown person movie. Where we have like a token white guy who ends up dying, like at the beginning of the movie. That's what we need to make us feel better, at least. Feel better. I, what there was the one thing I always thought about was uh, if in that scenario, just like in Independence Day, those guys are going to become the good guys. Yeah. You know, those guys are going to be end up becoming the uh, probably the saviors because they're already living out way out in the middle of nowhere. You know, surviving on crumbs and you know uh, and barely eking out a a, a fight. And they're able to, and they'd probably be one of the last ones left. Look, I mean, take for instance in uh, the scenario in, in uh, World War Z, where Cuba becomes a world superpower because it had guarded its shores for so long, it was one of the only safe havens in the world where their, their outbreak didn't happen. North Korea. Oh wait, North, North Korea, Korea did get taken over, didn't it? They had North, an outbreak there, and something happened. No, North Korea in the book, it was they one day they knew about the outbreak, they saw it coming. So they just closed off all their borders, and all the people just disappeared. One of my things I always think of, like, as a mind experiment, I don't believe it, thought experiment, I always think so, because I got this from World War Z, as, you know, we never hear any news from North Korea. We never hear anything. We see only the images they want us to see. What if it is filled with zombies? Like, I think that as a thought experiment sometimes, just for fun, because oh. I... I it might be. I don't know. It's kind of like the whole the whole flat Earth thing. But there's people that believe in it. But how do I know? I, how can I disprove that? Because I've never been visually verified or actually seen the whole hemisphere of our whole Earth. Does, I mean, I've seen videos from outer space, but those are videos, you know. I mean, well, 
the one the the one thing about North Korea is, geez, if they're not zombies, damn, they sure are living like them, you know, because they, you know, they're, they're, you know, the the everyday video of getting snuck out, those people look really bored, you know, those people look like they're, you know, they they they've already get they most of them look like they've given up on life. I'm not saying that it's like it's like East Germany in 1988. Before yeah. the wall came down, all the kids came out and they're wearing like gray and all of a sudden they see colored color crayons and they're like, there's more colors than white, black, and gray. Psychological uh, manipulation of the masses done by the government. You know, that was one of the things that they were trying to do with that is is that they were trying to keep everybody from being uh, um, so excited in any way. You that's, know. that's another statement I think zombie movies make is mass manipulation of the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... The, the the government, I'd say, dude, they would definitely, st- they would light the fuse, wait till everything burns, you know, and see, what, and they would try to take over what's left. And it'd know? be the big guys, too. It wouldn't even be the military guys, because they'd totally just, like, slough off the military guys and keep the main ones that were loyal to them. They wouldn't even take the rest. I mean, to me, I don't think they would be loyal to their own military. God forbid uh, that should that should happen because I believed even in that situation, that extreme situation, I believe there would be uh, there would be sections of the military that would definitely rebel, you know, against the you know against the one percenters. The Security Council would take over. I, yeah. I bet they're waiting for that time. You know, I mean, oh yeah, God, they're waiting for Caesar to screw them over. So you know, these guys are idiots. Love I want to I want to punch one of them in the face. Maybe that's what they think. Probably. I always I always thought maybe. Uh, one of the safest places in the world to go would probably be Switzerland. But then I was like, uh, it'd be surrounded by mass infected, infected countries. I don't know how the hell that would work out, you know. Because, but Switzerland's pretty secure. But the other places I thought would be like uh, Trista de Huna, that's uh, the, the farthest island, civilized island from any uh, point in civilization. You know, it's way off, in, uh, off the coast of South Africa. Or what about Alaska? You would end up having to end up uh, really learning how to survive because I think re- all the research, the limited resources they have there would be used up quick, except for oil. You know, less people, there'd be more oil. Well, I think the law of their heating is based on oil anyway, so. Yeah, um, pl- plenty of gain, but, you know, it, you're eventually run out of bullets, so you can end up having to pick up a bow and arrow again. Once again, Native Americans. I, I love the fact that, you know, in any scenario, there would be pockets of humanity that would be left, and that would be um, uninterfered with from the, the the big government. But they would be so small; they'd be. Uh, I don't think they would affect the big picture, you know. But yeah. the, the way the the way uh, the uh, the like the one percenters want to rule the world, they would definitely want to probably intrude on those pe- those people. They would, yeah. But then, but then I like in World War Z. I liked how he put in there. That guy, he was making fun of somebody. He was making fun of... Who was he making fun of? He was making fun of a movie star. But this movie star, one of the one percenters, had a house that was guarded. Had the... had A director, had, yeah. You know, had everything surrounded. But then they ended up getting... He ended up getting overrun. Him and his buddies that were hiding in there. And partying. Yeah, they were televising it live for the, like a, a reality uh, TV show for cable... That, you know, surviving the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it, people found them and overran them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. I think the normal people are going to overrun these people that are rich and say, well, I have, I have guns. I don't like, well, when you have about 10,000 people, because that's how much it would probably be, 10,000 people, foot soldiers, knocking on your door, how many bullets are you going to take? It's, it's kind of like back in the old day. I mean, you, there's 10,000 10, soldiers on foot and you have like, 50 archers who can shoot arrows, 50 arrows all at once, and then they can reload faster than a gun, they're still not going to stop those 10,000 guys who reach their front door and take them all out. Well, it was like a... You also got to think of the the military factor of, are you going to have every soldier, everybody who's serving, open up on unarmed citizens? Probably. Look at Kent State. I mean... That, but that was National Guard versus, uh, you know, peace protesters at a time when... You know, a lot of people were against the government. And it was just two or three soldiers, if I remember right. Not all yeah. of them not all of them did that, you know. Uh, it was just uh, something that it, there was a point where there, somebody was going to end up opening up. But like I said, I don't think everybody would, uh, our own military would turn on Americans. You know, um, 
that's how civil war get, civil wars get started. That's how mass, you know, war. That's how the revol, uh, the revolution happened. The American Revolution, the Boston Massacre. You know, um, you you know, people who were uh, in the royal in the royal military. And they had all that military training, and they had still had their gun. They end up turning it on their on the on the on the royal military. And I think that would that scenario is very likely. So you think that then the military probably would just side with the people? There would be We'd factions. Probably, probably naturally side. There would be factions that would, you know, and not everybody's going to end up, uh, uh, you know, wanting to follow orders because they're going to want to come home, you yeah. know. They got it, families. They got people they want to protect here. So why would they go out and do that to somebody else? Well, like how would you feel if your buddy, you know, that, that you went to training with, was to, was in the town where a mass military massacre happened, you know, because of zombies. Yeah, and he slaughtered, you know, and you know that that's how uh, you know basically you know I think it would play out is that there would be people that just would refuse to follow orders, you know. I'm not that that's a good thing, you know. For God knows, you know, there might be. It's good. It is good to follow orders sometimes, but not all the times. I mean, some people yeah. need a moral compass. Uh, you know, officers are trained to think for themselves. We're very independent. They're trained to think independently. That's how they're. Uh, that's come. We got one of some of the best military in the world. You know. Uh, in case, in case the listeners don't know this, Robert's wife was in the military. Have a good night, Robert. Say I love you. <laughs> say it. Say I love you. You're, you're, there is somewhat some friendship uh, affection. Say, say you love them. Say no. Say you love the people. Love the people. Love America. Say you love America's military. Love and love you we guys love out there, America's wherever you're serving. God be with you. And, and, uh, and, and God bless. And come home soon.